Is Monster Train better than Slay the Spire? Gamers always love to pit games against each other and create lists, and mostly because they're fun, but there is no denying the surface similarities between Slay the Spire and Monster Train as these titles have merged deck building and roguelike elements with fantastic results. In the first 48 minutes of a game, you should be able to know enough about the visuals of the game, the story, the mechanics, the gameplay loop, and almost anything else that you could want. And even better, within the first 48 hours, you will know if the game has done enough to get its hooks into you and whether or not you're going to come back because we both know that if we don't return or at the very least want to return to the game in the first two days, we likely aren't coming back after that. Everyone leads busy lives in some way or another and if this can help you figure out if a game is going to click with you or be abandoned after 48 minutes then hopefully this can help you save your money and you can spend more time doing what you love. Slay the Spire is such a great deck building roguelike and it also felt right at home on the Nintendo Switch and unfortunately Monster Train is not available on the Nintendo Switch just yet, which does lend itself to being able to tackle a few battles, walk away, and instantly pick up where you left when you return to the Switch. However, the next best thing is that Monster Train is available on Xbox Game Pass, and even better if you have an Xbox Series X or S, then you have the ability to use Quick Resume and emulate the result that you would get on the Switch, and even better, it's free if you're already subscribed to Game Pass. Now, the only thing that you're missing is the portability. Hell has finally frozen over when heaven has extinguished the flames that lurk beneath, and in Monster Train, you're the conductor of the Bone Shaker, a train that is descending back into hell with the last remaining spark to ignite the fires of hell before it's out forever, basically a reverse spire. As you descend towards the depths of hell on a railway that connects the two worlds, enemies, or in this case, heavenly allies, try to board the Bone Shaker to extinguish the last remaining spark once and for all, and that's pretty much the story. And although it's more than some other card-based roguelikes, I think there's a huge opportunity waiting in this genre to create a rich narrative. Visually, there is a lot more happening in Monster Train than others in the genre, which is more aesthetically pleasing but initially it's much more intimidating. With nothing of a tutorial which this game could have used, Monster Train throws you in the deep end, or in this case, throws you onto a speeding train. But the good news is that Monster Train feels much easier and more forgiving than other games like Slay the Spire, and initially kind of borders on too easy. Another card game that I have just recently played and reviewed was Fights in Tight Spaces, and that game is similar as well, but it does an excellent job of offering you a tutorial area which you can skip if you choose. Even if you're familiar with deck building or other card-based combat games, every game has intricate details that separate it from the competition, and a small tutorial would have gone a long way. Monster Train doesn't create a new genre of games like Slay the Spire did when it first released, but it refines and also adds enough fresh ideas to make this game a worthy game to play if you're looking for something to play after Slay the Spire. And on each layer of hell that you descend through, there are two paths every time where you can alter what you need, whereas in Slay the Spire, it's a lot more harder to adjust your trajectory, as you usually have to stay on the same trail you've selected until you find a special artifact. This does make the game feel a lot less procedurally generated and removes a lot of the RNG that other roguelikes offer. 
Distilling things down, what sets Monster Train apart is the train aspect of the game. The train has four floors and enemies usually enter on the first floor and then work their way up after each action phase trying to get to your pyre. This mechanic adds a level of tower fence to Monster Train in addition to the deck building and the roguelike elements that create endless combinations. Inside the monster train is where the metagame happens about which floor to place your units on and what order from back to front on each floor. Each floor only has a certain amount of space which adds a layer of strategy and usually from front to back it doesn't matter as much but different floors you could have tank style characters at the front to absorb the damage as enemies always attack the first person in line until they're defeated. Monster Train lacks the same hooks that other card games have, likely due to its repetitive feel. Games like Slay the Spire and Fights in Tight Spaces feel different because there feels like a lot more RNG at play, which can sometimes lead to frustrating results, but it does keep the game feeling fresh because around the corner could be a completely new experience. And just like other games where you unlock new starting characters or new decks, in Monster Train, you unlock new factions and then you unlock new cards that can be added to your hand for future runs. Out on the journey, I had often skipped the path that included restoring health to my pyre and card removal service, which meant that every time, I just took the path with the vendor and the artifacts. And obviously, games like this are usually about small incremental changes each run, including unlocking new factions, cards, artifacts, and other things to make them available for future runs. But there is a level of repetition that keeps Monster Train from being addictive like most other card-collecting roguelikes. Thinking about it for a while and trying to figure out why other similar card games hooked me in, I came to a revelation. Games like Slay the Spire hooked me in immediately because I never felt like I was fully in control. Instead, it felt like I was usually at the edge of losing. It felt something like how most Resident Evil games manage your resources perfectly and made it feel like death was right around the corner, which added to the tension. Monster Train feels more akin to something like Doom where resources are never scarce and it just becomes a numbers game of destroying hordes of enemies and less about the tension. If you enjoyed this video, then check out some of our other First 48 reviews, including another deck builder, Fights in Tight Spaces. And let me know in the comments below if you would love to see this game on Switch. What if you took the turn-based strategy of Into the Breach, combined it with the deck building of Slay the Spire, threw in the roguelike elements of both, and then added in a pinch of John Wick, both the game and the movie? Obviously, what you would be left with is Fights in Tight Spaces. I mentioned throwing in elements of John Wick Hex because this game is designed by Mode 7, but there is also a title card with Bithel Games who developed John Wick Hex, and on the surface, you can see a lot of similarities. And while discussing other games, the time is as good as any to discuss the influences that you can see in this game. Having put well over hundreds of hours into games like Into the Breach, Slay the Spire, Dead Cells, and Hades, my hopes for this game blending elements of turn-based strategy, deck building, and roguelikes was high, and too often, games that try to blend a lot of genres end up becoming a John Wick of all trades and a master of none.
The great news is that Fights in Tight Spaces avoids these pitfalls and executes on mixing these elements perfectly, and it does so while becoming something of its own. The art style of the game is a very wise choice, looking something like an isometric super hot with silhouettes being monotone, such as all red or all black. And not only, I assume, does this make life a lot easier for the developers, but there is also some very vicious hits in the game which would look quite disturbing if these were fully detailed character models. Just like the rest of those games, the premise is simple if non-existent. You are Agent 11 who is solely tasked with taking out four gangs with hand-to-hand -hand combat in tight spaces like alleys, kitchens, bathrooms, and bars. And the reason that those games became hits and cult phenomenons wasn't because of the story, but because most of them lacked much depth and narrative, instead it was because of the excellent gameplay loop and fights in tight spaces is able to get its hooks into you. Rather than choose a character with different traits, you select from one of four decks depending on which playstyle you prefer, which you have to unlock through playing. And during my time, I was only able to play with the first two decks, including balanced and defensive, which focuses more on counters. Similar to other deck builders, there are areas along your journey in which you can rest as well as areas that you are able to either purchase cards or add them to your hand or upgrade your deck. All of these upgrades and new cards cost money which you earn by efficiency in your battles and just beating a room will reward you with a small amount of cash but if you do it in limited moves or with a certain criteria, you will get extra cash. The journey is very similar to something like Slay the Spire where you can choose your path by looking ahead and determining if you're going to try and play more risky or play it safer. You stop along the way to upgrade cards, remove cards, or buy cards, but you can also stop along the way to upgrade your health or heal, but all three options will cost money, which you have to earn. Different paths, different room layouts, and different cards give fights in tight spaces a very high replay factor. The game is currently in early access as well as on Xbox Game Preview where I played it and hopefully it comes to Game Pass when it exits Game Preview and there are a few things I think that could use refining. When selecting your path, sometimes it's hard to tell exactly where your cursor is and all it would take would be a little outline. Also, when you move around the map, sometimes the character model looks a little strange since you are facing away from the enemy after moving. A simple fix of having your character always be facing towards the nearest threat I think would go a long way and one of these areas that this fix would shine the most would be on the replay system which is a sped up recap that would look a lot cooler if your character didn't look awkward half the time. Also, sometimes your character gets shot but I think it would be a smart idea of instead of having him take direct hits in the head, he got out of the way and took the bullet in the shoulder or the leg. I think this would just add a pinch of realism rather than being bulletproof in the head. Fights in Tight Spaces stands on its own, not because of how well it blends elements of so many excellent games, but because of the element that you are placed into. The reason that John Wick, Jason Bourne, and Jack Ryan are icons is not because of the people that play them, although everyone does love Keanu, but it's because of how they aren't fighting aliens from another planet or using superpowers. Instead, it's because they are just highly trained, average people. And Fights in Tight Spaces puts you in the shoes of someone who is highly trained and lets you feel what it could be like, and I think that's what drives the fantasy. Fights in Tight Spaces is currently around $20 on the Xbox Game Preview program, but even if you aren't sure, there is a time trial that you can download for free which will give you more than 48 minutes with the game. And with strong feelings for games like Slay the Spire, Hades, Dead Cells, and other great roguelikes, 
fights in tight spaces, already has a great foundation and will hopefully hone its skills for the rest of the duration of early access. The first 48 minutes of fights in tight spaces left me wanting more. That's all this week for the Video Games Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, then please consider subscribing and please remember to be nice to your fellow gamer and more importantly, be nice to your fellow human. Thank you.